4: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. And so it begins. In the early hours of this morning, Flybe announced it was going into administration due to a sharp fall in bookings due to the coronavirus outbreak. And I suspect it will be the first of many international companies that suffer at the hands of this still spreading virus. As Italy practically goes into lockdown, they've shut all their schools, they've banned people from kissing each other, airlines are cancelling flights all over the world. The collapse of Flybe, one of the world's biggest airlines, could have a knock-on effect on Britain's regional airports. And the 1,400 additional jobs on top of the 2,400 staff who are already in line to lose theirs. There's talk of Parliament shutting down for months, more Six Nations games have been postponed and even Sony and Nike are shutting down their operations in the UK. Don't say I didn't tell you. Now, this is not about me going on about how brilliantly correct I am always are uh, about making these kind of predictions. But what it is about is that somebody, I think, needs to get to grips with this particular coronavirus problem because without getting to grips with it, companies may do things which they might later regret. The big question is, who's next? We'll be asking veteran financial commentator David Buick, of course. 0344 499 Coming up, we'll be looking ahead to the budget next week as the government prepares to betray motorists in reverse their promised freeze on fuel duty and we'll be finding out why the new culture secretary Oliver Dowden is on the warpath with the BBC. As usual we are live streaming on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter so you can watch us now as well as listening and we want to hear from you too of course, especially on the coronavirus what are you being told, Uh, what are you uh, doing about sending your kids to school what are you doing about going to work, what are you doing indeed uh, if you're involved in the flybee story, Uh, it's gone into administration so people could be stranded in different parts of Europe. Plus we'll be Celebrating today because Meghan Markle is back in town. She's making her first public appearance since January the 7th. We can't wait for that. 0344 499 1000, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station in the world. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. So we knew yesterday that there might be a problem with Flybe. This story goes back, of course, to when Flybe asked the government for some help uh, towards the end of last year because the view was that uh, Brexit had been some kind of a problem for them and uh, they might collapse if it wasn't for the government stepping in to help them. There seems to have been some doubt about what the government did actually do, although certainly it would seem that they gave them uh, a little bit of leeway on paying a tax bill that they had to pay. Let's talk to David Buick now, though, and find out whether this is going to be the first of many... Sort of domino effects of the coronavirus. David, a very good morning to you.
0: Oh, man, I refuse to get sucked into this hysteria. Before well, we start,
4: yes, no, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. However, the hysteria is already out there. That's the problem. Mm, and so, I therefore, noticed. therefore, I mean, you can make up as many stories about Flybe as you want. Um, they, they were already in trouble, but, but clearly, but the coronavirus has has affected it.
0: The coronavirus has affected it. No question of any doubt, Mike. But it was a bad business model. Yeah and whatever anybody thinks of boris johnson's government gosh they should be bailing it out boris johnson promised that he'd do some stuff for all the economies of people outside of london you know the west country up in the northwest up in the northeast scotland all the rest of it. yes he did but he never prom- promised to back bad businesses now the problem with this is that there was a time uh, when it was discussed um in january i think of this year that this thing called the air passenger duty which is 13 quid a pop per person. So right. if you're flying from Exeter to say Manchester, your, the percentage of your flight cost 26 quid yeah. is enormous. Yes. And they, the government said that they would look into the possibility of either cutting it or halving it, which would have given some leeway and would have allowed Branson's um, airline to give 100 million pounds or part of it as a cash injection to the business version atlantic escape moment for a memory memory for a moment but they've subsequently found that whilst we remain in the european union which we will be till the end of december they cannot do that so when you've seen the damage and effect that coronavirus has had On all airlines, Mike, you only have to look at EasyJet, down 30% in value in the course of the last two weeks. IAG, which owns British Airways and, of course, Iberian Airways, down 25%. Companies like Lufthansa, Air France, all trashed. Travel companies like TUI, down over 30%. There's no question that this is an area. What worries me more about this coronavirus and the damage to the economy is not so much the specific areas, it's the inability for people to travel.
4: Yes, that is a massive
0: problem. I mean, my daughter... That is
4: the problem. My daughter flew uh, from Dubai to Vienna uh, because she had to go there for work um, yesterday. She was in business class on an airline, I think it might have been Emirates, I'm not sure, it was completely empty she sent me a picture of you know she was in you know live uh, tweeting me because she was got uh, wi-fi in the plane and there was literally nobody else on the plane and that's the problem and and then she gets this conference an energy conference in vienna they cancel all journalists uh, passes and say you can't come in because of the coronavirus and they're like, well, we've all just flown here from around the world and they're not going and not letting That's anybody right. in. I mean, the whole effect of this, as the you said... The domino say, effect on everything yes, is absolutely so you're, catastrophic. Yeah, and you're right to say that, you know, let's not get caught up in the hysteria. But unfortunately, people are getting caught up in the hysteria because it's affecting the way that, that their lives are going. Well, the damage to business industry and commerce is severe. It's before our very eyes, so there's no point denying it. But
0: what I'm just saying is we still don't know whether 10,000 people are going to die of this thing or whether 5,000, right. or more or less. All we do know, and we have to, and the government's been criticised, incorrectly so in my opinion, that they're not being positive enough, come on, do something, make decisions. They can't make decisions because if we were to shut, let's say somebody suggested to me, yesterday, come on, let's just shut everything down for two weeks, they'll right. all blow over. Can you imagine the damage that that would do to businesses? Companies would never recover, Mike. Right. People would be another million on the dole queue. Can't do that. So we have to piecemeal it, see how it goes. We're in control now, trying to stop it. And relatively speaking, to date, may not be the case in a couple of weeks' time, they've been relatively successful. Yes. And so, you know, I think the decision's being made and the policy taken is actually, at the moment, the right one.
4: Yes. I mean, one of the things I'm, I'm concerned about as well is the tourism business in London, uh, because what we didn't really know until the coronavirus hit was how much uh, Chinese tourism there is all around the world, uh, because that's how so many countries got infected so quickly, right? It also now turns out, I was talking to uh, Cyrus Tony Waller, who's a Uh, A guy who was in here with his new book, he owns Café Spice, but he also runs a couple of restaurants in some Hilton hotels, and he said that the traffic is massively down and there's going to be huge holes in any business uh, that relies on tourists for making money. Well, the other thing, we must not ever forget that the
0: service sector, which covers hotels, which are down 15%, we know, already this year, hotels, restaurants, bars, banks, insurance companies, is... 70% of the UK's economy, Mm. so it is massive. Yes, And therefore, the sooner we can actually realise that non-mobility of labour... And and the one area I'm slightly worried about is this business, stay home, do your job at home. If you can, great. But this ability of not being able to move, move around the country or around the world is the most damaging thing that's going to happen to the economy.
4: Exactly. And I know for a fact that some of the bigger uh, companies, the big multinationals, have been preparing for a while uh, for all of this because they're talking to their employees about not travelling. They're telling people, if you want to stay home, please feel free to do so. Meetings are not being held that would have otherwise been held. We're now hearing that Parliament might shut down. You know, I mean, we've got a long way to go here, I think. Very much so. And also the banking banks also have crisis premises as well,
0: which is a very good thing in case people can't move around, can't get their business done. So I think the contingency plans being made are good. Back to Flybe for just a second. I mean, you know, this is eight and a half million people use this airline, um, which is a lot in one year. They cover 52 airports around Europe and the UK. It's mainly a UK area, whether it's Exeter, Manchester, Newcastle, Belfast, or all these other places. But hang on a minute, the planes still work, Hmm. the pilots still work, excuse me, IAG, or British Airways, whatever you call yourself, excuse me, EasyJet, use a bit of imagination. Hmm. Pick these up at some kind of a knockdown price, because they don't want to lose money, and deal with the company, flyby, and deal with the government so we get sums with it. to suddenly turn to Southampton which has something like 93% of their business is run flyby yeah. to shut down that all the ancillary industries around the area of Southampton is, is, is nonsense. And I personally don't think it's necessary.
4: Mm. Well, Michael O'Leary, of course, came out just the other day and said that uh, you know the, the, the problems of travel uh, are likely to affect several European carriers, um, and, and they are all affected. So the question really is, is, how robust are they? And how robust are these regional airports without Flybe, even if it's only for a few weeks?
0: Yeah, well, that's right. That's why i I can't ask whether it's Michael O'Leary or, you know... Uh, EasyJet or anybody else to sort of pick up the tab for flyby that's unfair but they could alleviate some of the damage and maybe the government might be able to help on the basis right okay if you can deal with say 25% of the flights around the place all of you Mm. then we're prepared to make up the difference or something like that to sort of alleviate the burden but just to sort of leave these aircraft saying game set and match it's all over voluntary liquidation nothing we can do with it Mm. that's not very creative is it
4: it's not very creative but i guess it's a warning though to not step in uh, to save companies which as you say it's not their job i agree I've i've got a bad economic model i mean you know are these planes generally owned by the airlines or are they leased or what well, I imagine they're all leased because most aircraft are leased. Yeah. But the fact remains is that it, it, it is, how can I put it, it's
0: a bad business model and has mm. been for some time. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had this cry from the wilderness every now and again for the last two or three years.
4: No, quite. And as far as, um, you know, sort of world economies are concerned, I mean, clearly um, Italy now has more or less shut itself down completely. They've just cancelled the uh, the England-Italy Six Nations game, which was due to take place, I think, the week after next. And all schools and universities All schools well. closed down. No kissing, which is probably the worst term <laughs> thing for the Italian economy, because, I mean, that'll really upset them. But, but, you know, it seems to me that there are certain parts of the world, South is another part, uh, which, which are just basically no-go areas for, for, for travellers and for business as well.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I know quite a lot of people who planned as February and March were great months for travelling to Vietnam and Cambodia, yeah. and they've all pulled up, because the area is, I mean, just if you go there and there is, you know, the virus is is viral there, you've got a problem. I mean, look at Mako Yeah, He comes back from Tongue, he drops down in Hong Kong, and he nearly blows the whole rugby English side into the water. You know, the the fact he can't play. But it's just, there are areas that this is this horrible domino effect Mm. that just keels over. And I think just all we can do, Mike, honestly, is live each day as it comes.
4: Well, that's right. But, I mean, that's not what people in finance like to do. I mean, what about all the losses of last week? £200 was wiped off the stock exchange uh, share prices last week. And what's happening on that front? Are they coming back a little bit or what?
0: Well, this morning, I mean, we're slightly up again, but we were up 1% yesterday. New York was up 4% yeah. yesterday. And they haven't, they've come back. I mean, we have, the losses that were incurred since the start of this about half. Mm. But to say that it's over, Mike, is ridiculous. Yes. But what is interesting is that the IMF has said, like, we're going to put in $50 billion into the world's economy if it's required. Right. That the United States Federal Reserve says, right, we've cut interest rates half a percent. The Bank of Canada, all right, it's only got 40 million people, but it's the start they're doing the same. Mark Carney has made it perfectly clear that if they have to cut rates, they will. Andrew Bailey, who takes over in two weeks' time, as the Governor of the Bank of England, has said, we need to make sure that small businesses have access to cash, if they have it, either through us or through the clearing banks. That's a very positive mood. And basically, if you get people talking in that mode, mm. we haven't heard from Christine Lagarde yet, but I've no doubt we will. And we've heard from Kuroda of the Bank of Japan who said we're there to do something if we absolutely have to. So the only thing you could say is, oh dear, more quantitative easing. Gosh, I can't handle it. The rest of it is because what we should have done seven or eight years ago, after the thing, instead of cutting rates and keeping them down, would be to cut back on quantitative easing. But what we're going to do is increase it, because at the moment, Mike, it's Hobson's choice.
4: Yes, that is the problem. And as far as the budget goes next week, I mean, we're hearing from the government, and we heard from Boris Johnson yesterday in his four-point plan, that there's probably going to be money made available, almost like sort of emergency uh, disaster funding of some kind, if, in fact, a lot of people have to take time off work and the companies can't afford to pay them to do so. Um, It... It, won- it makes me wonder how they could even com- come up with a budget. Mr Sunak in his first budgetary speech uh, next week, if they're actually going to do it in Parliament. Um, I mean, how could he possibly do a budget based around what we've got going on at the moment? We can't. The,
0: well, exactly. the Office the of Budget Responsibility has already said that we're, without even thinking about it, cutting our estimate for growth... Um, from one5 to 1.2% for yeah. 2020. I'm sorry, Mike, that's ambitious as yeah. far as I'm concerned <laughs> yeah. with what we've got at the moment. Mm. And when you think of the agreement on HS2, well, that's eye-watering, and they may just have to wait. Yeah. And I don't think you can blame uh, Rishi Sunak or uh, Boris Johnson for reneging on their promises because the world has swung round on its axis, and that doesn't mean that their plans for the future are dead and buried. It just means Ladies and gentlemen, life's on hold for a bit because well, we really don't know is. where the
4: hell we're going. And nobody's talking trade at the moment either because what's the point? Well, that's the
1: that, I mean, I know the they're issue, supposed but, to be, you
0: know. But, uh, you know, we just hope and pray that if, you know, if we're going to have an outbreak, this, that we get it sooner rather than later. Mm. Because then also the other thing is the spring, the sun is over the high over the arm in six weeks' time. That's how it's looked forward to. And apparently, mm. so I'm told... That if the sun shines,
4: this is much more a chance of abating than it otherwise. Yes. Well, maybe we should move to a hot country then. <laughs> <laughs> David, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. David Verey, market commentator at Core Spreads, uh, always sensible, uh, always measured always a man worth relying upon in a crisis. What he says is what we shouldn't be doing is panicking, and what we shouldn't be doing is buying into the hysteria. But it's a bit late for that. It feels like the beginning of something, this, rather than the end, doesn't it? uh, 0344-499-1000 is the number to call us on, and we want to talk to all of you today because you are the eyes and ears of the Independent Republic. We need to know from you precisely what's happening. What are your school people saying? What are your uh, employers saying? Uh, If you're trying to book a holiday, what what are your airlines saying? What are your cruise ship companies saying? What are your insurance companies saying? because uh, this is a massive, massive mess, I tell you that. And I'm not sure the government can fix it. I really don't know why they're going to bother having a budget next week. 0344 499 1000. Don't forget, we're live streaming now on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter as well. So get on it. Uh, join the Independent Republican of Mike Graham. Tell your friends it's the home of common sense. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now given that uh, there's a problem with Italy I'm not quite sure what I should do about this email I've just received which is from Maserati saying they'd like to take me on a Maserati master driving course. Well uh, give me a call in a few months and maybe I could come over and do it somewhere near Florence. It'll be very nice, I'm sure. Uh, but let's talk right now to Mike Ward, who's a TV critic for the Daily Express and the Daily Star, a man who knows an awful lot about the BBC and the way that it works. Mike, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Thanks for joining us. So, I don't know too much about Oliver Dowden, but he seems to be coming out all guns blazing uh, against the BBC, which of course would be something that Boris Johnson would want him to do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this sort of uh, announcement, the speech that he's he's, uh, he's he's making to the BBC and, and, and other media types is basically it it sounds like a sort of thinly veiled threat you know we love you and we love what you represent but you know you've got to start representing you know a wider audience, the rest of the country. Not, I'm not sure he uses the term "liberal me- metropolitan elite" as such, but that's, well, he he, that's he effectively uses, what he what he means. He uses he?
4: the new phrase, which is the narrow <laughs> urban outlook. Is that is that phrase of the week? That's it. Yeah, well, uh, okay. I mean, basically, but it refers to exactly the same liberal metropolitan elite. Because you know as well as I do that yeah. the BBC is full of people like that.
3: Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and it dominates everything in 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 not always in an obvious way. Sometimes it's the li- it's the less obvious ways in which things are put across. And you know, and we've talked to, about you know, dramas you know, woke drama yeah. <laughs> influence, et cetera, and Doctor Who and, and, and that type of thing before. Um, maybe that's not very subtle at all, actually, to be honest, because everybody's switching it off for, for a reason.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, um, but, I mean, that's the other reason why people are not happy with the BBC, not least starting uh, with their kind of coverage of the whole Brexit process, which mm. was roundly criticised. And as I always say to people, you know, it's not really good enough to say, oh, well, we must be doing something right because we've been criticised by both sides. Yes. No, actually, you must be doing something wrong because everybody thinks you're doing it wrong. I never quite get that
3: argument. I'm, well, I sort of get where they're coming from. You know, obviously, you know, if you're particularly biased one way, you think everything's biased the other way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, in all honesty, yes, that just means you're annoying everyone. Yeah. Uh, and somewhere along the line, that that can't be right. You, 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 everybody should be able to watch this and understand. You know, whether it's a news broadcast, current affairs, whatever, you should be able to watch it from whatever perspective you're coming from and be reassured that you're getting something that is balanced and impartial. Yeah. Um, and not be either you know, horrified at the extreme the other way or, or sort of too smug that it's, you know, echoing your own views to a ludicrous extent. It should just be... What it's you know it was established to
4: be. Well, exactly right, and and it's become so much bigger. I mean, I actually liken it in some ways, and you, you'll probably really enjoy this analogy to the European Union, because when it was <laughs> set up, right, it was yeah. not meant to be what it then became, and people realised what it had become and decided actually this is not something that we want, and nobody actually told us that this is how it would it would develop. I was seeing a story the other day, you know, in Scotland they started a new news channel uh, in addition to bbc scotland and bbc alba which is of course the uh, the gaelic version mm. uh, they've got another new uh, station which hardly anybody watches they're sending four people to cover the u.s election just from that channel from that channel yeah wow and that is, to me, complete and utter profligacy with, with the public money that they use to do everything.
3: Have they given an, a, a, a reason for that? Have they actually said why this, they, well, they yeah, need Well, yeah, because
4: it? obviously they have to cover it for their own purposes, because this is the culture in which the BBC mm. operates. You know, it's not any good for them, for example, to use a BBC correspondent from BBC One, mm. say, for example, to cover, you know, the coronavirus. They have to use their own correspondent based in Glasgow and they might even want to send that person somewhere. And that's always been the way BBC Scotland has worked. But, I, you know, well, they, they don't Share correspondence.
3: I suspect also if you work anywhere within the BBC and you you know you you dare you you quietly disagree with that approach, you don't ever sort of put your hand up in a meeting or or, or whatever and say excuse me this is this not just a little bit right. absurd.
4: Well, do you know when they announced the other week that they were going to get rid of loads of journalists at Five Live? <clears throat> Um, I know some people that work there and, of mm. course, you know, they were saying to me, yeah, but what's going to happen is they'll get rid of a lot of people who, who are effectively on contracts and then they'll walk out the door today and they'll come back in the door tomorrow by another means, um, yeah. by, by, via just a freelance uh, uh, scenario. So they yeah. won't actually lose anyone. No, I know. There's
3: always ways, isn't
4: there? Yeah, well, that's the trouble. And so, you know, I think, obviously, if Oliver Dowden has been tasked with uh, sort of looking at the BBC because of the, the controversy over the licence fee, not just to over 75s, but just mm. generally... I've, I've been saying for a while now, I don't see the licence fee surviving in its current form beyond the end of this year. Well, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Mm. And,
3: and, and the, you know, the, the fact that if you take everything in isolation... Yes, it's one. You know, it's wonderful that you just pay the small. Everybody says well, it's such good value. What? Is it? Yes, on one level it is, but that's missing the kind of the point because you don't have any choice. Well, it's not great value to be honest. I mean, well, because there's lots know. of I mean, things depending that on, it, you, well, on individual and how much you use it. But yeah, well, exactly. I'm,
4: I mean, I'm paying something like mm-hmm. what twelve quid or fifteen quid every single month, somewhere between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really use it that much.
3: No. Well, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But but ultimately. I, I can see the argument for those who do use it a lot. That in, if you take it in pure, you know, cash terms compared to I don't know Netflix or whatever, it's not bad. But having said that, you have that obligation. You don't have any choice. And if you go out, if you drift out of that habit of listening to every ra- radio station and watching every channel, and you start to veer more towards Netflix and Amazon or Apple TV Plus or, mm. or, or just go and read a book, you're not going to be paying any less. You're forced to. Whether you know, it's, it's you know, you, you've got that kind of tax on you forevermore. And I think the the problem is that, you you know, it sort of exists in that bubble. And we talk about the bubble, the BBC bubble the whole time. And and there's so few people within the BBC seem to sort of understand that it has to be taken into the context of of an ever-changing, wider world. It doesn't seem to recognise that the world around is changing so fast. And the things that sort of competing in, that, as you rightly say, in a lot of cases, it shouldn't be competing in... It doesn't want to reflect that. It doesn't want to acknowledge that. It wants to carry on as if it's still, you know, 10, 15, 20 years Well,
4: I see a lot of similarities in the conversations around the NHS that we have in this country as well. Everybody sort of starts going, oh, but it's marvellous. It's like the jewel in the crown. And, you know, Mm. well, that doesn't mean you can't be critical of it because parts of it are very good, but parts of it are also not very good. The thing, one of the things that shocked me more than finding out they had 61 radio stations was that they've got 10 TV channels. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, it's enough to keep you busy for the rest of your life. <laughs> and then the, the thing, I don't watch BBC Three. No. Well, that was meant to have gone, wasn't it? <laughs> mm. But apparently, it's still there. It's still there on, online. They're and, now commissioning shows for um, for that thing they call. Was it BritBox? Yeah, BritBox. They're oh, commissioning. They're. They're. Their own, their own,
3: yeah. yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. Well, I think that's the first, that's their first actual commit. I mean, ultimately, presumably that's, that's still going to end up on you know terrestrial standard traditional terrestrial tv at some
4: point yeah but i mean you've worked in the commercial media for a long time i yeah. mean who walks into a building and goes you know what i'm going to do now uh I, in addition to all of those people over there who are already commissioning loads and loads of stuff yeah. i'm going to start commissioning stuff as well where's my budget yeah right and normally in most communications businesses you'll be told you haven't got a budget shut up sit down well again it's the bubble thing if you take brick box in complete isolation Just
3: ignore the rest of what's going on in the world. You just say, right, for £5.99 a month, you can have access... To all these programs dating back since the dawn to the dawn of time that you've et cetera, already paid for, etc., etc. Well, there's the argument about the fact that you don't pay to own them; you own. You know, it's,
4: it, no, but you've already paid to, to have them made by the previous yeah, payment of your TV license. Yeah, yeah.
3: The, they would say, "Oh, yeah, well, that's great value." I, and I can see if you just if you if it existed in in its own world without everything else going on around yeah. it. Yes, okay, five ninety nine to be able to sit down and watch whatever till the dawn till the end of time mm. is isn't necessarily bad but yes as you rightly say you have to put into context the fact that a it doesn't exist in isolation you're competing against all these other you know operations that are far more up-to-date and slick and modern and, and and sort of bringing together new stuff the whole time and as you say you're also talking about the issue of to what extent have you already funded the production of that program you know in the first place yeah exactly
4: right and when you look at what they do with things like um, Glastonbury and what they do with things like the Olympics where I think I'm right in saying and also the World Cup mm. um, they sent more BBC journalists to the World Cup in Russia uh, than we had members of the uh, of, te- of, of, of the England team mm. Similarly, more members of, uh, of the BBC went to the last Olympics uh, than were actually in Team GB. Well we get used now to the idea, don't we, that every time on screen there's always a
3: pundit there's always a, pun, a commentator and a co commentator. We never yeah. used to have a co-commentator for stuff I mean the tiny details, but they all mount up. Yeah, of course. And then you go into the studio at half time and it's Gary Lineker or Gabby
4: Logan, whoever it is, and there's at least three pundits. Yeah. And then all getting paid highly uh, by, by the public person, yeah. all getting shuffled around and chauffeured around in very nice cars.
3: Yeah, and you th- you sort of think, well, when they talk about oh we're gonna have to close down channels, we're gonna this, that, this, that and the other if you make us you know, make all these cuts well, sometimes you just look at the, the the day-to-day mechanics of each individual program and think, well, do you need all that? Do you need that many people doing that? Yeah. And if you applied that philosophy. You know, in it's almost like a bean country way, across the board, this amount of savings that could be made just by not having so many people yeah. doing so much stuff.
4: Well, exactly. But they're not the, adding all... value from but my, my point of view as a viewer. And all the doubling up that they do, you know, from five live to four. Uh, you know, it's a news company. You know, news beat. You know, they can't just have one news hub like everybody else who would normally be running a big multi uh, multi business media organisation. Yeah. You would have a sort of central core of people, which is what they don't have, which wouldn't be very difficult to do
3: it no i think it's a sort of res- you know they resent the idea that they have to do that and i think you know they're not the only organization in the world as you, as you say there are plenty that have that sort of protected species type of um, right. mentality.
4: And I, so- and I also question, and I know you and I talked about this before as well, there's a sort of need to produce the kind of entertainment shows that they do, like Strictly, which is very expensive. Mm. You know, the Eurovision Song Contest I was talking oh. to somebody about the other day, you know, which will be back on our screens, I guess, fairly soon. Yes. Apparently nobody's able to find out precisely how much money they spend well, on that. Yeah, I was trying to look this
3: up. The most recent figure I could find, and it's not directly re- revealed by the BBC, yeah. was 310,000, which right. po- possibly doesn't sound like a lot, it still sounds like quite a lot to me mm. for one night. For one night, it's not bad, um, is it? Yeah, uh, and th- but that was from 2012. Right. I can't. I couldn't. I mean, I haven't, I haven't well, researched. I've been
4: talking to a couple of journalists about this, and apparently there's a uh, uh, there's a FOI requests have gone in freedom yeah. of information requests yeah. to try and discover how much they spend on it, and they're not willing to reveal the amount because it's apparently part of some charter uh, to do with news. And current events coverage, they don't need to reveal exactly how much it costs. But I mean, why, you know, that's that, you know, why would any part of what the BBC does not be transparent?
3: Yeah, and I don't think that's acceptable. I mean, especially as it is, you know, you can go into the sort of argument about the the annual humiliation that takes place whenever mm. we enter at Eurovision. Now, um, <laughs> and uh, we go into it, and we we are one of the so-called big five. So the reason we go oh, yeah. in and we go straight into the final on Saturday mm. night, and we don't have to go through the embarrassment of a semi-final on a, on, a, on a Tuesday or a Thursday, which they they haven't in, introduced in relatively this recent times. Uh, we pay, and uh, I think it's Germany, Spain, Italy, and France, and us contribute. To all these so countries, then uh, yeah they, yeah we pay so much money that we're allowed to place in the final as, so, are, 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 so, as are these other four. So countries. not
4: only are we being humiliated on an annual yeah. basis, we're paying for the privilege to yes, be humiliated. Yes, yes, yeah. I know that, that's that's the thing. That's I mean, that, that's the thing that's really
3: galling. I just I've been can't to your meetings seven times. I this, can't imagine
4: sitting in a meeting with these bozos. You know, if they actually worked in the real world, it's unbelievable. You know, know, you can't work like that in the in the real world. And I know,
3: and I know and I think the real world is is uh, you
4: know I appreciate you know I
3: sound a bit curmudgeonly, but the real world does actually increasingly impinge uh, on, on what they do. Yeah. You know, well, I was amazed way, to find... How about didn't... this,
4: right? I, I bet you don't know this. Did you know that they produce a separate news channel just for aeroplanes?
3: I'm <laughs> well, not you won't joking. Be that much longer, sir.
4: Well, <laughs> there's no planes flying at the moment, but, you know, I was on a flight to uh, New York the other... Uh, yes. Last year, I think it was, and I put on the news channel, because I thought, well, will have a look at this. It'll probably be BBC news channel that they've got mm-hmm. on. No, it was a completely separate channel which they do at Broadcasting House, because you could see the background was Broadcasting House, you could see that all the presenters were completely different, and a number of times presenters pop up on various channels um, doing the news. You go, well, who's that? How long have they been there? You know, I've never well, seen them see that. before. So, that woman who got who, who resigned from China, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's never off the telly. <laughs> I thought she'd left. <laughs> what,
3: what, so what's this channel called? Has it got? A, is it's it... called something like BBC World. Oh, OK. Something like that. That's it's not, not the same it's not, as the BBC world that you get when you're in a hotel no. and you switch it on and it's crushingly boring well, and, and unwatchable. Be.
4: Well, it might be. But what, it's, what it isn't is BBC News 24. No. So it's a separate entity to the news channel.
3: So it's trying to be a sort of, like a very, almost like a world service type thing. Yeah, it
4: must be, something thing. like that. I mean, What's you know, they it? could follow the footsteps of CNN, uh, who recently suggested that they were going to close the border between Germany and Italy, mm. even though there isn't one. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's the sort of standard we have there of the old international t- television <laughs> news stations. But but <laughs> I do I do think that this guy Oliver Dowden is obviously up for a dust up, isn't he? Yeah,
3: yes. I mean, it's it is a sort of um, as you say that the, the phraseology that's being used and in, in, you know is is talking about as you say that narrow urban outlook, which is which is there. Uh, as you used to tell me the, the the phrase of the week, uh, and and talking about its its need to sort of represent. Sorry, I just <laughs> I just flicked over the page. I was reading the story on it. Just take this this flashed on picture of Jennifer Lopez. Why? Uh, I don't know. I was just looking. At the, <laughs> I just looking at the report on the on the on the on the, <laughs> it's on the next you page. You didn't really and, need to tell
4: us all that. You I know. know. You could i have just, just pretended. i just, just I've got it. No, I'm just distracted. trying to
3: read the quote off the story. Oh yeah, here we are. Genuine diversity of thought and experience. <laughs>
4: Go. What's Jennifer Lopez doing?
3: It's on the next page. I just, I just, It's trouble when you're holding an iPad. You only have to slip slightly. Isn't that's, it? Yeah, that is
4: that is a worry. Um, so <laughs> tell us, um, and is, is there anything coming up that we should be looking out for that the BBC's doing at the moment, which is going to be great? I mean, have they got a new show coming out or anything like that? Something that, they, the one can, that's something that gonna... they can hold up and say to this guy, Oliver uh, Dowden, <clears throat> look at what we can do. How great is this?
3: I think the one that's going to stir up controversy from, from some quarters is Noughts and Crosses, oh, which yeah. is the drama going out tonight. Have you heard about this? No. This is the one about uh, set in an alternative uh, 21st century Britain where uh, 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 dark-skinned people are the ruling class, fair-skinned people are the oppressed oppressed underclass, um, and uh, with everything that that implies. So, you know, in other words, it's sort of, um, yes.
4: Sounds absolutely horrendous. Yes. Um, And I bet you won't tell us how much that cost either. I don't know, I don't know. Deary me! Oh well. Well, listen. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing this Mr. Dowden in action. I'm looking forward to him sort of taking a machete to the BBC yes, management. Yes, I think he sounds like he, he will do it a great. Way. Yes, I think he will. Brilliant stuff, Mike. Thanks very much indeed, Mike Ward, TV critic for the Daily Express and the Daily Star. He mentioned, of course, a spitting image coming back. We will be talking about the Royals uh, in the next hour because it turns out that Harry and Meghan are back in the country and they've left Archie, of course, over in Canada. Uh, but Meghan is making her first public appearance since January the seventh. I wonder what she'll say. Uh, about how things are going, you know, just about surviving. This is uh, Talk Radio. Talk
1: Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent
4: republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Lots of things going on this morning. Uh, Obviously, the flyby story uh, is very much front and centre of a Commons uh, debate at the moment. The budget is coming up next week. Everybody's getting very worked up about what may or may not be in it. Uh, And certainly coronavirus, of course, is very much dominating everybody's thoughts. Let's talk to David Wooding now, politicaliser of the Sun, on Sunday uh, because, of course, the the big news as well is that Parliament might actually be shutting down for a while uh, in order to delay further spreading of the coronavirus. David, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. So, uh, what are you hearing? Because uh, I don't know whether this is a bit of a a sort of false alarm or whether it is actually genuinely being considered.
2: Well, there are definite preparations uh, everywhere. I mean, we've heard it in the Premier League and uh, workplaces, public transport, all everywhere. And Parliament's no different. Uh, And the possibility is that they may suspend Parliament uh, for five months, up to five months, uh, to prevent uh, MPs from uh, from spreading this um, deadly virus across the country. Now, I mean, the, the, the situation with MPs is you've got 650 people um, that are elected MPs who spend half the country, half the week spread in different parts of the country, meeting their constituents, having surgeries, going to town hall meetings, seeing the local councillors, rubbing up against each other, pressing, uh, pressing the flesh. Pressing the flesh. Uh, I mean, it is and, interesting, isn't it? Because, and then coming back together. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting,
4: isn't it? Because the handshaking thing is, is quite difficult to not do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find myself sort of sticking my hand out when I meet people if I haven't seen them for a while. Or I mean, I don't do it every day to everybody that I meet, but I do it probably more than once or twice a day um, to people yeah. that, that I maybe haven't seen for a while or I'm just meeting for the first time.
2: Now, yes, I actually uh, offered my hand <laughs> to shake with somebody yesterday, right. who recoiled, um, not because I work for the Sun on Sunday, <laughs> but because they, they said, they said, we don't shake. I'm not shaking hands anymore. So yes. No, I've, I've had a couple of those. <laughs> uh, I also had somebody come into
4: the building um, to do a, uh, a TV thing with me, Plank of the Week, and I went and I shook her hand, and she went straight for the. Um, the gel and just started washing, her, you know, rubbing her hands with the, with the uh, with the alcohol gel. Now, under some circumstances, people might be offended by that. I wasn't offended because you know it's quite difficult to offend me. But it's quite it's quite funny how people are behaving.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, you've got the two two extremes here, Mike. Because you've got the people who are uh, refusing to travel on public transport, walking around with. Uh, masks on and uh, gloves and covering themselves up and refusing to have any contact with people then you've got the other people who are coughing and sneezing on the train and not washing their hands in fact Washing your hands is the best thing you can do. Um, be absolutely fastidious. Twenty seconds uh, is, is all it takes. Hot soap and w- hot, hot water and soap—it actually works. Um, oh, mean, I'm not singing I, "Happy
4: Birthday", I, birthday twice. Though. I'm just no, not doing it. No, well,
2: I've got so, I've got some new 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 plans. I've got some new songs that you can sing. Oh, have you? Working on them? Yeah. I mean, if you do uh, Jesus Joy of Man's Desiring" by Bach, <laughs> that takes about twenty seconds. Yeah, I don't know that one. So, so you can. <laughs> Uh, okay, now that's going to be in my head all day now. <laughs> you, can do, you can pick a number of tunes, just find the 22nd tune and sing it. Um, I've been thinking of different things to sing, because I've been doing God Save the Queen, which is, uh, uh, even after you know, five times a day, it wears a bit thin. Yes. Uh, but you do need to wash your hands. Uh, that, that's it, that's the key one. Right. Uh, and, of course, um, uh, but back to what we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, if it, it was to be the
4: case, I mean, how soon would they make this decision? Because they, they seem to, after the announcements yesterday and the kind of four-point plan and and the suggestions that the government might come up with some emergency funding and all of that. Um, They were talking about containment. Today, they seem to be talking about delay.
2: There is going to be a decision later today on what happens next. Um, uh, The the, the, the government's scientific advisory group for emergencies will discuss the move, uh, and they they will decide whether to to step up from the contain phase to the delay phase, which basically means they can't... uh, they, can, they cannot stop the spreading of it. Mm. Um, and, and that's where, where we then run into this situation of the, of the House of Commons, where you have, uh, as we were talking earlier, the 60, 650 super spreaders coming here, yeah. with all, their, all their staff and everybody else working in here. Now, if they close that, I've been having a little uh, check on the background. There's a thing called a quorum, which you, you'll know about. Uh, yeah. Some of your listeners might know about quorum. Mm. A quorum is the minimum number of people who must be present when the House of Commons or the House of Lords is sitting to make the decisions valid. Now, there are 650 MPs, but in the Commons the quorum is 40 members of Parliament including the Speaker. Now, it's not necessary that all 40 members of Parliament are sitting in on those green benches for the decision to be valid. Right. You just have to be there to vote. I mean, you've, you've seen these pictures of the House of Commons with about three people in there, yeah. even, when, even when House is sitting normally. And in the Lords, which is even more uh, um, of a problem because people are more elderly. I think the average age must be over 70 in the house of lords uh, the quorum there is for 30 so you could you could keep the house of commons moving with a few people coming in to have a quorum or you could have voting uh, taken from outside the house yeah. of commons because the
4: logic uh, of shutting it is presumably to stop people from traveling as well as stopping them from actually yeah. mingling with one another so um they it's not as if they'd want to do it somewhere else would it
2: no, 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 absolutely. The, I think, uh, of course, the, 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 lots of decisions are made by statutory instruments or executive powers of the government. We've elected this government and they could make a lot of decisions without it. Things such as the, um, the immigration bill, which must go through this year because of um, uh, Brexit uh, going 100% when we leave the transition period at the end of the year, that, that, that could be delayed because of it. Um, and then you've got, you can't have your committees meeting. Another thing that could be difficult is if, if, the de- if it starts getting the, the departments, those ministries, you know, the Home Office, mm. the Foreign Office, the Department for Health, those have got to be working and keep open as well. So it's not just Parliament. It's, it's, it's everything we do is, is, is an issue. And, um, you know, we, and what about
4: those who are saying, of course Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings want to shut down Parliament because it means they won't be uh, having to face any kind of scrutiny whatsoever?
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think this, these decisions are all being made by by by, um, by health chiefs. Mm. These are the people who, with the knowledge, um, I, I don't suppose um, you know, people will say that. People people always talk about the timing of announcements and say that they were made at a certain time because of to overshadow uh, another story which was unflattering. But these things these things happen, I guess.
4: No, they do. Boris was on this morning. This morning, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, he says that he will stick with the. Pretty- Patel he's going to back Pretty Patel as he said yesterday at Prime Minister's Questions um, she seems to have dodged the bullet for the moment doesn't she?
2: Yes, uh, a lot depends on this inquiry and what, what comes out. Yeah. Um, I was saying to a colleague earlier that, you, you know, if, if you're a, a, a Labour supporter, you automatically jump to, or a tribal Labour supporter, not all Labour supporters are like this, of course. You, 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 run, you ju- leap to the conclusion that she is guilty as charged, she's a bully. And if you're a, a Conservative supporter, a, a tribal one, you reach the conclusion that she's a victim of misogyny and racism and it's all part of the civil service process plot to undermine her. The truth is we'll we have to wait and see what comes out and um, you know, we don't know what has been said in those rooms and we have two sides of a story and it's for somebody yes. else to, to work out. But nevertheless, it is it is pretty damaging for Pretty Patel. There's a number of uh, of, of allegations being made um, and uh, while Boris Johnson is behind her and saying she's doing a good job, you know, it, it's yet to, to emerge whether she is somebody who has been uh, misbehaving or whether uh, whether, in fact, it's the civil service um, trying to undermine what she's doing. And, of course, the, the Home Office is quite notorious for leaks. It's brought down a lot of uh, Home Secretaries in the past. Mm. And Amber Rudd um, was blamed for the um, Windrush scandal when, in fact, after she'd gone, it emerged that it was a civil service right. blunders. Uh, and then John Reid, the Labour um, uh, the Labour Home Secretary, once accused it of being unfit for purpose. Right. Blunk it, of course. That is, well, this is the problem.
4: I mean, the Home Office has been unfit for purpose for quite some time, if you, yep. if, we, if you look at it that way. But I can't remember, and I don't know if you can, David, you've probably better uh, knowledge it on, on this than me. I can't remember anything as vitriolic as this. I mean, even with John Reid no. uh, and Amber Rudd. I mean, Amber Rudd, in a way, was a victim uh, of Sir Phil uh, Rutnam, wasn't she?
2: Absolutely. And what you've got here is you've got a government who do uh, have been quite nakedly clear about mm. this that they are there to take on what is known as the blob, yes. the civil service which digs its heel in, heels in and doesn't do what the government wants the old yes Prime Minister yes. Uh, sketch of oh Prime Minister we can't do that mm. and, uh, and, and Dominic Cummings, the, the, the Prime Minister's most senior advisor has made clear uh, even before he moved into number 10 that he wants to shake up the civil service, he thinks it's completely useless and doesn't do its job properly and doesn't do what its elected masters demand and um, and pretty Patel is pretty much on board with that attitude uh, and so what are we seeing here? Are we seeing them resisting change or are the government being too aggressive in their um, uh, determination to get their policy agenda through? Uh, either way, it is a battle royal between uh, the elected um, uh, ministers and the, and the, the Sir Humphrey. It is.
4: Who, uh, and if he caves in uh, to them and, and ends up firing Pretty Patel just because it becomes too hot of a potato for him to handle... Um, and they just take that, the line of least resistance. He's going to be uh, disappointing an awful lot of people who voted for this government to do this, all this stuff.
2: Absolutely all uh, the people voted uh, uh, for Boris Johnson and the Conservatives to take power because they, they wanted brexit they wanted the, the immigration laws changing they wanted a crackdown on law, uh, crime uh, and that's all uh, a lot of stuff which pretty Patel is driving through so uh, um, this is this will be fascinating to see how this plays out because they will be trying to shore her up but of course when you 've got a, um, a hundred and eighty thousand pound a year uh, sir Humphrey mm. um, uh, threatening to go um, to, to, to law to, uh, to sort this one out. One wonders what sort of a dossier he is compiling and who he's got on his mm. side ready to throw more brickbats at the Home Secretary.
4: Absolutely right. And um, what will you do, David, if they end up shutting down
2: Parliament? You'll have to come back here. Oh, uh, well, uh, we'll talk about this. I, do I work from home or do I do I come in? We'd have to do a lot of phone calls. Yeah. Um, I, I, at the moment, I just think carry on as normal. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah. And um, uh, we'd still have to do stories. Our papers would still have to come out. Right. We'd still have to write about what was going on. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 we'd probably come in. Unless they shut the building down, which yeah. I, I doubt whether they would do that. I think they'd probably just um, find some way of limiting the number of people in here yes
4: Very possibly so. David, thank you very much indeed. David Wooding there, uh, political editor of The Sun on Sunday, talking about the possibility of Parliament being shut down. At this point uh, we don't know for sure if it's a serious consideration, but uh, as David said they may make a decision on that coming up uh, later on today. One of the things of course that has supposedly been blamed for the spreading uh, of the virus uh, is the use of banknotes. Some people are already saying that banknotes uh, are because they pass through the hands of so many different people they're not particularly clean, Uh, the germs could travel on that. I mean, you know, you could you could go on about this stuff all day. I mean, things that are being shipped around the country, things that you're buying on a daily basis, you know, cups of coffee that you're drinking. You know, I think we just need to all be uh, relatively calm and just uh, carrying on is the best way forward, obviously. Um, But decisions are being made by organisations and people around us, right? So it's not necessarily in our hands. Mid morning with Mike Graham, Talk Radio, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let's go straight to Jeremy Hunt, who is, of course, the chair of the Health Select Committee uh, in the House of Commons. We seem to have uh, a move to delay, uh, which is the next phase of the dealings uh, that the government's got with coronavirus. Uh, Mister Hunt, very good uh, afternoon to you. Afternoon Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Um, it seems as though there's a slight um, sort of uh, shall we say not disagreement but, but a slight sort of uncertainty about whether we've moved to delays. The Prime Minister's spokesman saying that uh, we're still in contain. Are we
1: definitely in delay now? Well that was the impression we got from listening to the Chief Medical Officer this morning. He said there are significant elements of what we're doing now that really are the delay phase yeah. and there wouldn't be a definitive moment. Um, I think in practice, we are now doing all the things that you need to do in that second phase, um, which is very, very important because, uh, you know, what, what that does is it buys you time, uh, which means that the NHS can get a little bit less pressured. It means that uh, you can learn more about the disease, um, which we're doing every single day. But most importantly, the final phase, you know, if it really took hold in the population and we got the kind of 20% of the population getting it like, like they have in Hubei province in China. Mm. Um, you know, that has very serious social and economic consequences and we need to be preparing for those now because, you know, we cannot rule out it happening.
4: No, indeed. And three new coronavirus cases confirmed in Scotland today, taking the total to 90. Is there any ideas as to whether or not the, the infection is sort of growing in, in exponentially, whether more people are being infected sort of on a daily basis?
1: Well, what um Switty, the chief medical officer, said is that we, we are now getting what he calls community transmission. That means people who haven't been to Italy, haven't been to China, who are getting the virus from someone else in the UK, and it's not necessarily possible to trace how they got the virus. And that's why he said that he felt that we were broadly beginning to move into that delay phase. Right. Um, But I think it's important to say that, uh, you know, the NHS is one of the best prepared healthcare systems in the world for dealing with these pandemics. It it will put us under enormous pressure if it happens. But um, the NHS is very good at dealing with these kinds of situations.
4: And are you discussing the closure of schools kind of long term as they have done in Italy, as they have done in Japan and and the stopping of, of large gatherings? There seems to be a little bit of uncertainty around the large gatherings as well.
1: Well, that was one of the most interesting things that came out of the select committee hearing because, uh, you know, Chris Woody said there is active discussion going on in government. I think that's code for ministers have not yet made up their minds on yes. schools. And the reason is because the virus doesn't seem to affect children too badly, but uh, it does appear that they can get it and spread it. Mm. So that might be a reason for closing schools. On the other hand, as soon as you close schools, uh, mums and dads can't go to work because they have childcare duties. Yeah. And some of those mums and dads will be frontline NHS workers, doctors and nurses who we absolutely need to go to work. And that's why it's a, it's a very difficult call as to whether you go down the route that, um, that Japan and Italy have done. Right.
4: And are you confident, as some are, that in China they seem to be sort of coming out of the other side of it as far as the worst case scenarios go?
1: Um, That's what everyone believes, and I think that's uh, very helpful for us because it tells us how long it takes for the virus to peak, uh, what proportion of the population are likely to get it at worst, because it obviously has been at its worst in China. Um, And um, so, you know, I suppose that's the encouraging sign. But, you know, I suppose if you wanted to be a bit more pessimistic, uh, it's now taken hold in many countries that are much nearer to us than China, And although we have one of the lower rates amongst uh, European countries, you know, we are surrounded by countries that have much higher rates. And so that makes the inevitability of community transmission in the UK much higher.
4: And I know you've got to run, so I'll just ask you one final question. Are you considering a ban on travel at any point?
1: Well, I'm not the government, uh, so this is something for ministers to consider. And I think um, all I can say is when I was health secretary and we had the Ebola crisis uh what we found is that travel bans are, are very unlikely to be affected because there are so many different ways you can ban direct flights from, you know, from, I don't know, northern Italy, but uh, people can still get here through a different route. And so uh, my experience was that people tend not to recommend these as the first thing you do. Okay,
4: Jeremy Hunt, thank you very much indeed. Uh, MP for South West Surrey, Chair, of course, of the Commons Health Select Committee as well. So we have moved into a delay. Uh, We have moved out of the containment phase, which means basically more people will probably be getting the the virus over the course of the next couple of weeks. Whether or not it results in the closure of schools, whether or not it results in the closure of buildings, whether it results in the closure of transportation networks is unclear. But at the moment, uh, it's still pretty much as you were, it would appear.